0: Let's celebrate that baptism one more time. Yeah, so good. And um, just while we're thinking about baptism, last Sunday we had the privilege of baptizing 27 people last week, and there's close to 300 people been baptized since August, and so it's incredible. You can celebrate that, by the way. Some of y'all are like, is he done? So God is doing some great things, and, and we're just excited to be a part it. But I wanna say happy Mother's Day to all of our moms in the room. And so if you're a mother in the house, if you would stand to your feet, and just remain standing. We wanna honor you. This is gonna be a great time, men, to celebrate these women. Just stay standing if you would, ladies. I wanna say a couple of things to you this morning. Um, I wanna just say how much we love you. And I know that one day a year is not nearly enough to give you the honor that you deserve. Uh, But we wanted to take an opportunity in this room um, this morning just to say how much we love you. You mean so much to your families, you mean so much to our community, and you mean so much to this church. And uh, the the impact that you are making in the world uh, around you, um, we cannot put into words. I know because I have two mothers in this room that are so important, my wife Adrienne right there, the mother of my children, I'm grateful for her, and then my mother right here, who's put up with so much for me through the years. Um, but um, I'm grateful for mothers, my mothers, and then all of you in this room. Um, God is using you to shape the next generation. You know, I say this to my daughters often. um, One of the highest callings that a woman could ever receive in life is to be a mother because God entrusts you with with a child to help raise and to nurture and to grow to know the Lord. And, And I know that throughout the Bible, And throughout history, God has used a lot of strong women to advance the kingdom of God, and we're grateful for every one of them. But then there's those that he's entrusted with that responsibility as mothers, and we want you to know that God is using you, and he's going to use you, and the impact that you're making will not be measured on this side of eternity, um, but it will be measured in eternity. Amen? And so I want you to know we love you, and let's put our hands together one more time for our mothers. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to just acknowledge, you know, in this room, I realize that Mother's Day is not always a day of celebration, and it might even be that in the midst of celebration, there's some, there's some tears that are shed. There's some for, it's just the memory of a mother that's gone home to be with Jesus, and you miss her. For others, it might be of a child that a mother has lost, and today is a day where you grieve that loss Maybe it's the absence of a relationship in a mom that you deserve. Your mom wasn't what she should have been uh, for you. And because of that, there may be grief and and mourning days like today. But here's here's what I want you to know. This is what's amazing about God. No matter where you are in the spectrum, Jesus is enough for you. And he can meet you right where you are on this day. And for those who need encouragement and honor, he's going to give that. For those of you who... Uh, need uh, just to, to cry and to weep a little bit, he's enough for that as well, and, um, and he, can, he can lift you up and encourage you and meet you right where you are. And so what I wanna do is I wanna pray a blessing over all of the women in the room, not just the mothers, but God, again, has used women throughout the scriptures and throughout history to advance his kingdom. And we're grateful for all the ladies at New Beginnings. So let's pray for our moms and let's pray for the women of New Beginnings. So let me just lift a prayer. Men, you can just join in prayer as I pray for this. Father, we love you and we thank you, God, for all of the ladies in the house today. Lord, I pray that they would be empowered to walk in their gifting and calling to be used by you in a great way. God, that they would be able to know the plans you have for their life and experience every day of them, every single one. And God, for our mothers in the room, I pray that they would be encouraged today, be honored today, and just be motivated to realize that every tear that they've cried, every prayer that they've prayed, every act of kindness that they've shown, every moment of service that they've expressed, it is not lost on you and it is not forgotten by you. I pray today that your spirit would comfort them and encourage them and bless them today. And for anyone in this room who is uh, sad today or grieving today because of whatever reason in their life, I pray they would find comfort in you. We love you and we thank you. And I pray that you speak to us now through your word. In Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, grab your Bibles and let's go to Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, we're pausing our Philippians series uh, to give a special Mother's Day sermon. So it's not necessarily aimed just toward mothers, it's aimed toward the family or anyone who is an influence of the next generation. And I want to talk today what it looks like for us to pass a spiritual blessing down to the next generation, for us to influence them to walk in the presence of God and experience the favor of God in their life. In Numbers chapter 6, this, this passage we're going to look at, verses 22 through 27, is what's known as Aaron's blessing. God gave this blessing through Aaron to the people of God. And uh, this was to be a blessing over the people so that they recognize the favor of God as they live life as his people in his presence. This verse, for many of you, is going to sound very familiar because of a song that was written a few years ago. Cody Carnes and uh, Carrie Job wrote a song called The Blessing. And that song was written, I think, right at the beginning of COVID. And it's had 70 million views of that song. And it is ministered to... You know millions of people all over the world, and it really just articulates this passage of scripture that we're going to look at this morning. Long before Kerry Job and uh, them sang this song, this was a a the words that God gave Aaron to speak over God's people to bless them. This is actually one of the oldest poems in history. It's one of the oldest poems in the Bible. Um, Historians tell us that they found inscriptions with this that that date it back. And so for thousands and thousands of years, this blessing would have been read in Jewish homes and in synagogues. And in the early church days, um, it would have been read uh, very often um, in the church gatherings. Most of the time, it was read as a benediction, So when they would close time of worship, the priests would say this over the people. They would sing this as a a reminder, as a benediction. As you go into the world, may the blessings of God be a reality in your life. May you walk in your relationship with the Lord and experience blessings. As the early church would end their worship gatherings, they would uh, say this blessing together as a benediction to send them out into the world, remembering who they are and the blessings that come with it. And so this passage is very significant. When you think about that, we have poems in our culture that we often use as benedictions. Like we use them often as bedtime poems, like nursery rhymes. Anybody ever do nursery rhymes with your kids? Raise your hand if you did, if you do. Some of you are like, I don't know where he's going. I'm always nervous. raise raising my hand. So um, I was doing some research this week. I was thinking about the way that we put our kids to bed and the different things that we say and different nursery rhymes that we teach them. And I did a little history, and I found out that a lot of the nursery rhymes that we actually use are very dark and morbid when you understand the meaning behind them. And, and, and some of them, like, I, I literally, I can't go into all of them, but a couple of them. So y'all heard of this nursery rhyme, ring around the Rosie," pocket full of, ashes, ashes, all right, so do you realize that song was actually a song written during the time of the bubonic plague? And I'm not joking. This is not. A, this is this is serious. It was taught for kids to sing to describe what they were experiencing. "Ring around the Rosie" was a reference to the rash that they would get from this disease. "Pocket full of posy" was the, the 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 fragrance they would carry in their pocket because the the, the rashes would cause a foul odor. And so the posy was there to cover up the odor and then ashes, ashes, we all fall down was actually, this is gonna end in death. It's not gonna end well. So literally ashes to ashes, we all drop dead is kind of what they meant by that. And so that's crazy, right? Jack and Jill, not gonna go into it, but it has to do with treason and beheading, all right? Um, Go back and read the history on it. Um, Here's one that I thought was really weird and I can't go into the details, but the lyrics itself kind of summarize it. Uh, Rockabye Baby... In the, when the wind blows, the cradle will. When the bow breaks, the cradle will. And then what happens? Can we ever ask the question, what the heck that baby's doing in the tree? (laughs) In a cradle. And why are we celebrating the fact that it fell, right? That's weird, right? Let's be honest, that's weird. That's weird that we sing that. So here's the one that I think is the most dark and the most weird. And this is the one most of us have actually said as a benediction at night. Before I send you to sleep, what do we say? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's the most morbid prayer little Johnny, little Henry, you know, little little Betsy. They're they're scared to death. They don't want to turn the lights off. You're like, I know what'll make them better. Let me pray a prayer of death over them. (laughs) Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord your soul to keep. You may not make it tonight. But if you die, there's a good chance. Can't guarantee anything. There's a good chance he's going to take your soul. (laughs) Click, good night. (laughs) Some of you will never use that ever again in your life. This, this benediction here is much better than that. This is a prayer blessing. This is a prayer blessing for God's people. These were not just words that the priests would say or the pastors would say as they dismiss the congregation to make them feel better about themselves. This is the reality they were praying that would be what they walk in as they depart as the people of God. Numbers chapter 6, let's read this poem. Let's read this blessing. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. If you're there, say the Bible is true. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying thus, you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, now here's here's the blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. This was a blessing that the priests were given by God to say over the people. Now think about this: The priest had a responsibility. The priest had a number of responsibilities. They were to teach God's word. The priest had a responsibility to escort God's people into God's presence, to show them what righteousness and holiness looks like when they walk in the fellowship and presence, the fellowship of the presence of God. It was to show them what it looked like to to pursue the Lord with all of their hearts. So this was the role of the priest in the life of the people. And I would suggest to you moms and dads, we, grandparents as well, we have a responsibility of actually being, in a a way, the priest in the life of our children. That we have the responsibility to give spiritual instruction. That we have the responsibility to model what it looks like to walk in righteousness and holiness, to, to, to fellowship with the Lord and to live a life of worship. To to understand what it means to live in relationship with the Lord. And so just as these priests in this role, they gave this blessing over the lives of the people because this was their desire, that you walk in this blessing. What would it look like for you and I as parents, for grandparents in this room, to begin to understand what if we begin to model our parenting after this blessing? What if this became the trajectory of the life of our children? That when they, listen, when they have that moment of benediction and they leave our home, when that span of life of them living under our roof comes to an end and we send them out into the world, what if in those years that we have at the influence of forming their heart, that we form this blessing in their life so that as the benediction comes and as they go into the world, that they walk and they live in this blessing? How powerful would that be that should be the aim of every parent I'm just telling you as a dad of a soon-to-be senior like she's got like a week and a half my oldest McKenna and then she is officially going to be a senior in high school and let me just give a word of wisdom to all the parents of young children in the room because I was told this didn't believe it now I believe it and now I say it you better cherish those moments Because I'm telling you, this is what I was told, when when your kids get to high school, when they hit that freshman year, you are going to blink and it's going to be over. And I'm telling you right now, we're coming to that place where she's entering in that senior year, it was just like yesterday, she was starting high school. And so as the days grow shorter and shorter of the time that she has in our life and as my other kids get older, I'm becoming more aware of the weight of responsibility of of, am I shaping this blessing in their life? Am I giving my kids the opportunity so that when they have the the benediction and they leave my home, are they going to be able to walk in this? And parents, I want to show you this morning what this looks like. First of all, let me talk about the blessing. What is this blessing that is being portrayed here in this passage, I'm gonna give you a summary of it. When he says, the, the, you know, Bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you, let me show you a, just a summary of this. This is the blessing, and this is the heart of what Moses is or Aaron is communicating to the people. The heart of this blessing is the protection and provision and the peace of God in the lives of his people because his presence is with them. That's what this blessing is all about. It is about the the, the protection and the provision the peace of God that's among his people because his presence is with them. And I don't know about you, but as a parent, listen, this is what I desire for my kids. That when they leave my house, I want them to know that the presence of God in their life is where the blessings come from. And in the blessings, there is protection, there is provision, and there is peace in their life that they can walk in. See, the word blessing is the Hebrew word here in the text. It's a Hebrew word, barak. The, the word barak, it translated here, blessing, we often over, overuse this word and it loses its significance. So like when we have someone sneeze, we say what? Bless you. Or if we're having a really good day and we got maybe, you know, maybe a bonus we didn't think, or maybe just the sun was shining, and you're like, how was your day? My day is blessed. You know, how, how, is, how is everything going in your life right now? Mom, the Lord is what? He's blessing me. So we use this word, but this word, Barak, doesn't just mean, hey, God is being kind to me, although the goodness of God is a blessing. It's a word that's much more powerful than that. It's a word that literally means to lean into or to bow a knee to. To bend toward is is the way this word might be literally translated. In fact, in another place where it talks about us blessing the Lord, Psalm 34, this is what David writes. Psalm 34, David says this. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. What is David saying there? I will will lean toward the Lord. I will bend a knee toward the Lord. I will draw near to the Lord. It's a way of honoring the Lord. So what does it mean for the Lord to bless us? It, It just simply means this, that the Lord bends toward us that he draws near to us. And that's the heartbeat, if you look at the language, and we'll talk about this in a moment, of this blessing, it is about the presence of God. So hear me say this, the blessing that we're talking about here is not stuff we get from God, it is God. He is the blessing, it is in his presence. It is in fellowship with him. It is as God shines his face upon us and he turns his countenance toward us. It's as he leans into us with favor that we experience and walk in the blessings of relationship. And this blessings of relationship, there are three things that are highlighted here. And I'm just gonna give you a summary of this and then I'm gonna jump into how do we teach this to our kids. How do we we implement this into their life? So he says this, he says, look, I want them to know my blessings and my blessings is gonna bring, first of all, he says, "protection." He says, the Lord bless you and what? Keep you. The word keep there is the idea of guard or protect or care for. And we we live life in the presence of God. When God bends himself toward us and his presence is active in in our life, he keeps us. He guards us. He protects us. How many of you want to be able to send your kids out from your care and they're walking in the protection of God? And, and here's what I'm learning. Listen, as I'm getting closer to that day when we're gonna pack those bags, we're gonna move in that college dorm, we're gonna send my, my, my oldest out, as we draw near to that day, the, the more I'm recognizing there's, there's a limited time where she's gonna be under my protection and care, so I better teach her how to live under the protection and care of God. That there's protection in relationship. When you live in step with the the presence of God, his hand is upon us. Now parents, look at me. It does not mean your kids won't experience pain or suffering. But here's what it does mean. See, when God keeps us, it means that we're walking in his presence, we're abiding, He's, he's bent toward us, and we're walking with him in fellowship, which means no harm can come to us that doesn't get filtered through his hand of protection. And so what I want for my kids, what you should want for your kids, for grandkids, this generation we're raising up is that they would know the Lord and walk in his ways so that the protection and the hand of God is upon their life, amen? Here's number two. Not just protection, but provision. He says, his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. That's the second part of this blessing, to be gracious. So in God's presence, his benevolent provision is is given to us that you realize that the grace of God is not just what gives us Jesus, it's life in Jesus. And life in Jesus, when we're walking in fellowship with God, when we're walking in step with Jesus, guess what? Everything that we need to walk with him, he provides. That God is a benevolent God, he is a generous God, he is a gracious God. It is unmerited, uh, unearned favor in our lives. So as we live in this blessing of relationship, he is gracious toward us. How many of you wanna be able to see the grace of God Played out in the life of your kids and grandkids. That is found within the blessing of that fellowship, the blessing of his presence in their life. God's provision, God's protection, and then finally he says this, God's peace. He says, may his countenance be turned towards you and he give you what? Peace. The word peace here I think is important, families that we understand The peace that God talks about that he gives us is not the absence of strife or war, but it's a settled soul in the midst of strife and war. You see, the Bible describes the peace of God as being better than just the absence of strife. It's a settled soul, even when strife is all around me. You see, it's the peace that God gives that passes all understanding. It surpasses our even comprehension of that kind of peace. Have you ever had those moments in life when you should be freaking out and everything is spinning out of control, but there's just a calm in your heart? Anybody ever experienced that? You try to put it in words, you're like, "I, I can't explain it, right? I just feel settled in this moment. What are we saying? There's a peace that's beyond our understanding. The peace of God in the midst of storms. And parents, this is one of the reasons as you, as you raise your children and you nurture and love them, eyes right here for, for a second, parents, especially you helicopter parents who are just hovering around all the time trying to make sure, I gotta make sure they don't cry. I gotta make sure they don't get hurt. I gotta make sure they don't have any strife. I gotta make sure all the friends are nice to them. I gotta make sure nobody's mean. And, and God forsake, they get a teacher that's not real great. I'll give it to them as well because we don't want our kids to have any difficulty in life. And parents, listen to me, I love you, all right? You are robbing them from discovering the peace of God when you try to intervene in all of their issues of life. How will your kids ever know the peace in the storm if you always try to get them around the storm? Because guess what? You're not always going to be there. And so you know what you do as you walk them through? You let them figure it out. As a parent, sometimes they're, like, they're getting involved in, in arguments with their kids' friends. That's just ludicrous to me. Like a grown adult getting into a kid conversation. Why? Because they hurt my kids' feelings, and I'm going to work this thing out, and I don't want my kid. Look, let your kid work through it. There are mean people in this world. And guess what there is also in the midst of all of that turmoil in their life? There is the very real presence of God. And what we do is we raise them, we have them realize there is a peace that's beyond understanding. So when you're in the storm and the winds are blowing and the sea is tossing the boat, you can look at the front and go, but the captain of the boat is Jesus. And as long as he is here, this thing ain't going down. And we're going to weather the storm, and it's going to be okay. It's okay for you to let your kids cry and say, okay, I can't fix it, but I can walk with you through it. In the midst of it, here's what you're going to learn. God didn't leave you. How great is that? Peace. So that's the blessing. I didn't want to preach that, but I, I did. And so if this is going to be a reality in our kids' life. We need to disciple them in three ways. So That's the blessing we want. Anybody, anybody want that for their kids? Say amen. All right, so how do we do this? And Again, this is not, I'm not giving you a one, two, three, do these things and tap your heels four times and it's all good. You gotta foster this and you gotta trust the Holy Spirit. You foster this and you trust the Holy Spirit. Three ways to disciple your kids toward living in this blessing. Here's number one, write this down if you're taking notes. We need to help them see Jesus as the source of the blessed life. We need to help them see Jesus as the source of the blessed life. This blessing comes from him. It doesn't come from anyone else. I want you to look at the text, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. Who? All right, say it with conviction. The Lord bless you and keep you. Look at verse number 25. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Who? Look at verse 26. The Lord lift up his counsel upon you. Again, who? Who? So three times here. Now, listen, when you see something repeated in Scripture, it's not just, they're not just doing that for no purpose. Repetition, there's emphasis. When the Bible repeats something over and over again, there's something that's being said there. Because they could have said this blessing like this. The Lord bless you, keep you, make his countenance shine upon you, be gracious to you and give you peace. He could have said it that way, but he doesn't. The Lord do this, the Lord do this, the Lord do this three times, emphasizing, by the way, capital L-O-R-D, this is the covenant name for God, Yahweh. The God that called you is gonna keep you. The God that called you is gonna be gracious. The God that called you is gonna give you peace. So this is the covenant name for God. So three times he's emphasizing why. He wants his people to realize it's the covenant-keeping God that gives them this blessing, and it's him alone. And if this wasn't enough, look at verse 27. Verse 27, he says this, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel. And listen to this, changes it. I will bless them. So the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, in case we didn't get it, In the original language, it it reads different than it does in English. I'm going to read it like the Hebrew language, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Now, and I, even I, will bless them. There's a double emphasis here, I, even I. What is he saying here? You want a life of blessing? Blessing. You want the protection, the provision, and the peace of God. It's found in me and me alone. And by the way, the reason I think it's important to see the covenant name, the L O R D, is because when Jesus shows up on the scene, he reveals himself as the great I am, as the Lord of the universe. Why is this important? It's because Jesus is the fulfillment of the blessing. Jesus is the Lord talked about here. He is the one that blesses all the blessings that we have, blessings that we have in Christ listen, are because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Every blessing that God has promised to give his people are, yes, in Jesus and Jesus alone, amen? And so we've got to help our students understand that Jesus is not just a source of blessing, the source of blessing. Life is found in him, you see, so many of us, we we we're in a culture, and we've bought into it that we we think it's our job. Well, I got to teach my kids to make good grades because good grades get good college, good college gets good careers, good careers gets good money, good money gets good life, good life gets good retirement, and then we get inheritance. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but that's not the source of the blessed life. In fact, that's a well that if you drink from it, you'll find that it's going to come to an end. And so, more than anything else, we need to teach our kids to know the Lord, to walk with the Lord to find life in the Lord, to know Jesus personally, to experience. So here's the thing. If my kids graduate from my house, they leave my home, and they fail. like they, just, they can't get to SAT. They can't get to ACT. They can't get in the college of the choice. But they know Jesus. Listen, I have a success even if the world says I'm a failure. Why? Because in Christ they find everything they need for life. Far too often, we put as parents all the emphasis on those other small little wells that won't last and they're gonna run dry. Rather than teaching them that you want life, you find life in Christ. This is what Jesus said, by the way. He says, I have come that you might have life and have it what? More abundantly. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. What would it look like for you to put more emphasis In your kids knowing, loving, savoring, and walking with Jesus than anything else in their life. And I'm telling you, as a dad in the middle of it all, it is a hard juggling act. I'm not going to pretend up here that it's an easy thing because we're being pulled 50 different directions just like you are. But at the end of the day, guess what? I am not going to stand before the Lord and give an account for how well my kids dribble a basketball or shoot a jump shot. But I will be held accountable whether or not they walk with the Lord and know the Lord and pursue him with their life. And at the end of the day, if I want my kids to have the blessed life, I gotta show them where the source of that life is, and I gotta model it. How do I model it? By living it out. So heart question for you parents. If your kids were to give an honest answer to this question, what would they say? Who's most important in your life? Would they be able with integrity, I'm talking about not what they're supposed to say, but the the true answer, would they be able to say, man, there's no doubt in my my mind, my my father and my mother, Jesus is the most important person in their life. You see, when they see you drinking from that source of life, they understand this is what's made you different, and now they wanna drink some of that too. We've gotta model it, this is important. Here's number two, so help them see Jesus as a source of blessed life. Number two, show them how to encounter Jesus' presence in their daily life. Show them how to encounter Jesus' presence in their daily life. So one, the first one is knowing where to get it. Where's, where's life found? It's in Jesus. Second is, how do I do that? How do I live this life in Christ? I want you to see what he says here in Numbers 6, verse 24. He says, the Lord, bless you and keep you. Now listen to 25. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. So grace is in this proximity, his face shining upon us. Look at verse number 26. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. So this is the way of the Lord looking at you with pleasure. He's drawing near to you. Listen to this, upon you and give you peace. So what's the point? The point is presence. You see, the the emphasis here is the presence of God in the life of his people, And it's walking in the presence. It's daily living and abiding with the the face of God turned toward us, with him shining his presence into our life. That is where the life of blessing comes. And so as moms and dads, we have got to show and model for our children what it looks like to walk daily in the presence of God. Do our kids, listen, are they going to know what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit by the way they watch our life? Are our kids gonna know what it looks like to commune with God in prayer, like to to really talk to the creator? To open God's word and realize, I'm not just reading words on a page. This This is Jesus speaking to me. This is the desire for our kids to be able to know what it looks like to walk in the Holy Spirit, to commune with God and to hear his voice from his word and just to have that fellowship daily because that is where the life of blessing is found. And parents, listen, this is more caught than taught. The number one way you show your kids how to walk with God, let me tell you, it's very simple, write this down, but it's not profound. Number one way as a parent you can teach your kids to walk with God, here it is. Walk with God. Walk with him. Like my prayer, and I know I fail in this. My kids are in this room, but you're not preaching a sermon on family, and you got kids in the room that can call you out at any moment. My son will be like, I object. Um, You know, my prayer and my desire is is that there's a day when my son hits a crossroads in life. He doesn't know what to do, but he remembers. I watched my dad walk through something like this. He didn't turn to the right to the left. He stayed faithful, and he pursued the Lord, and I saw him talk, and Jesus was the source of life. He had a relationship with him. That's my prayer, for my girls to be able to one day describe and say, listen, I know how to pray today because I heard my mom, and when she talked to Jesus, it was like he was in the room. That should be the heartbeat of every parent in this room, that that our kids learn how to live in intimacy with the Lord because they've watched us live in intimacy with the Lord. I want you to think about this for a minute, the, the power of this discipleship in their life, of modeling it. So Jesus was God in flesh, or is God in flesh, right? Jesus came to earth, fully God, fully man. Everybody say amen to that. So think about being the disciples. The disciples, they're walking with God on earth, for crying out loud. They're with Jesus when he multiplies the food and feeds the thousands. They're there when he raises the dead. They're there when he heals the person sick. He casts out demons. They're there whenever he, he, he silenced the storm. All of those things, they're there, front row seat, miracles, God in flesh on planet earth. And here's what's amazing. This entire time, Jesus is showing them, hey, the things that you see me do, you're going to do these things. And yet, when you look at the relationship between the disciples and Jesus, there's only one thing Jesus, or the disciples asked Jesus to teach them. You realize that? Because I don't know about you, if I'm just a disciple myself, I'm thinking, if I'm seeing him raise the dead, I'm going to be like, hey, Jesus, can you show me how to do that? Like, hey, Jesus, can can you give me 17 tips on exorcism because really I got this cousin over here and I need that, right? They don't do that. There's only one thing they said, Jesus, would you teach us to do something? What was it? Teach us to pray. I really think there's two reasons why Jesus was asked this question. Number one, the disciples saw Jesus pray. They listened to him commune with the Father. They saw the presence of God, the Father, with God, the Son, and they watched them the communion between the two and the prayers, and they're like, that's what it means to talk to God. I want to talk to God just like that. Jesus, will you teach me to do with the Father what you do with the Father? I think the second reason is they saw the power of God displayed in the life of Jesus, and they made the connection between the presence of God in prayer and the power of God through his life. So parents, listen to me you want to pass on this blessing of the presence of God being lived out in the daily life, listen, you model what it looks like to be a person who is passionate about pursuing the Lord in prayer and in his word and his presence and and let the power of God be displayed in your life as a byproduct of that relationship. And listen, your kids will see it. And they'll know that's what made them who they were. Dad wasn't just a great guy, because I saw him on bad days. Mom wasn't just a great woman, although she was, but I saw her on some bad days. What was the difference? They knew God, and they prayed, and they talked to him, and they, they spent time in his word, and that's what made him, and I want that in my life as well. This is the heartbeat, or should be the heartbeat, of every parent in the room. Leads me to number three. Number three is this so show them how to encounter Jesus' presence in their daily life. And then teach them that their identity in Jesus is what defines them. Teach them that their identity in Jesus is what defines them. They're the people of God who live in a distinct relationship with Him. Say, what do you mean? I want you to look at verse 27. Verse 27 says this, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel. Now this is significant. The significance of this is, remember numbers is written as the people were traveling, the people of Israel traveling through the the wilderness heading to the promised land. So they're not there yet. They just got rescued from Egypt. They're in this wandering season. What's the significance of putting, The name upon the people. This was a source of identity. This marked them as a distinct people on the planet. And this is why. As they entered into the promised land, the promised land was full of all kinds of nations, all kinds of religions, all kinds of, of idols to worship. And God knew that when they entered the promised land, if they don't know who they are and whose they are, they're gonna be tempted to bow to the idols of this world. They're gonna be tempted to embrace the practices of the culture that they're entering into. But in order for them to remain distinct, they they remain distinct not just by their actions. Their actions are driven by their identity. Your actions will follow who you are. If you know who you are, the name of the Lord is upon you, then there's gonna be faithfulness. When you come into that place, you're gonna go, know, we don't worship that idol. Why? Because we belong to the living God. And we worship him only. That's who we are. That's whose we are. We don't live with those kind of cultic practices. Why? Because we belong. We are the people of God. That's who we are. We don't live like that. And if you want to help your kids navigate through a culture that is broken, there are idols everywhere. There are philosophies and faith systems everywhere. How do we help them live faithfully as young men and women as they enter into the world? They must know who they are and whose they are. They must know their identity in Christ. They must know what it means to be the people of God, to have the name of the Lord. They are not just, this isn't, we should never want our kids just to be like everybody else. You know why? They're not. If they know the Lord, they are the people of God with the name of the Lord stamped on their soul. And they are meant to be light in the darkness. They gotta know who they are. Identity is everything. Identity drives behaviors. Identity drives priority. Identity drives purpose. It drives everything. They gotta know who they are. And this is important. I know for me, I, I keep talking about my family, but it's, it's kind of, you know, where I am, right? So think about this with my kids. If my, if my daughters, I got two, two daughters, if their identity is in their last name, there's gonna be a day they walk an aisle and they're gonna lose their last name. And if their identity is attached to that, they i gotta figure out who they are. Now with my son, if his identity is found in his performance, let's say it's in basketball, we're a basketball family. Let's say my son, we, we instill that his, his identity is found in his athletic performance. What's gonna happen? And here's a phrase we use a lot in our family when we talk about this. The ball is eventually gonna stop bouncing. You look at any retired professional athlete They don't know who they are when the identity of of what they did was taken away from them. So we've got to shift the thinking here. So if my son, his identity is rooted in what he does with a basketball, then what happens when the ball stops bouncing? He doesn't know who he is. But if my kids know, they're not defined by their last name. They're not defined by what they do. They're defined by who they are in Christ. Guess what? It's that identity they find in Christ that will take them through every season, every phase, every sorrow, every transition. Anything that happens in their life, their identity is rooted and it's not shaken. Why? Because it's the one part of who they are that will never change. They belong to him. He belongs to them. And that's a forever relationship. Therefore, everything is built upon that. Let me give you a couple of things to write down with identity. Here here are four things your kids need to know if they're gonna know who they are in Christ. Number one, write this down. Please write this down. Your kids need to know they are loved by God. Listen, if you you give your kids anything in this life, make sure that they know their identity is rooted in the God that loves them unconditionally because there are gonna be days where you have to sit down and they're gonna have shame and guilt and grief and regret over decisions that they've made. And they need to know on that day God loves them, and that their identity as belonging to him is unshaken. He is the God of mercy and grace, and he loves them. This is one of the reasons I tell my, my girls often, I'll say, your daddy loves you, and they'll say, you know, I'll say, why does they love you, and then they'll go through all the lists of the things that I love about them. They're, beautiful and they sing and they're articulate and all those things that I might say and at the end of it I say but is that why daddy loves you and they'll say no then why does your daddy love you and they'll say because I belong to you you realize our heavenly father is a much greater father than any of us in this room and his stamp of approval and love in our life has nothing to do with our performance it is because we belong to him he loves us Here's number two, here's the second thing. Listen, they need to know they are forgiven in Jesus. They need to know that Jesus is a much better savior than they are sinner. They need to know that every sin they've ever committed, every sin they will ever commit, and this is not a license to live like we want. This is the confidence to know that when we fail, there is grace and there is mercy and there is atonement, that what Christ has done for us on the cross is final and it is finished, and my identity is sealed, not by my goodness, but by his goodness. Here's number three. They didn't know they are called to do great things. Parents, you need to tell your kids often that God has a plan for their life. See, their identity as the people of God gives them a purpose, and that purpose is great. It's better than any purpose that you could ever have for them. You see, here is the mantra for many families. Here is what many parents, how they raise their kids. Here is your life verse for them modified. For I know the plans I have for you, declares mom and dad. So I'm going to be frank with you and frank with myself. Who gives a rip what my plans for my kids are? You know what matters is that God has called them and chosen them to do great things. And it's not my responsibility to get my kid to go to the college I want them to go to. It's not my responsibility to get them to pursue the career I want them to pursue or to get the job I want them to get. It is my job to help point them toward their great calling that God has on their life. And whatever that is, that I'm gonna fan the flame and I'm gonna encourage that. And by the way, if you start believing in your kids, they'll start believing in themselves. You start telling them God has a plan for their life, they're gonna rise to the occasion because he does, because of who they are, they're his. Here's number four. Our kids need to know they are members of God's family. This is their identity. They have a spiritual family. Do you realize that the the graduation rate of kids when they graduate high school that leave the church is over 80%, 80% of kids that grow up in church, they leave the church when they leave their home. You know why? It's because mom and dad brought them to church, but they didn't teach them that their identity is rooted in the family of God. We don't just do church. We are the church. We are a spiritual family. This is the covenant community. And every identity that I have, every group, every job, every team, everything in our life, it is secondary to this. We are a spiritual family. You know what that means? That that when that day comes and we pack up the car and my kids move to whatever city God takes them to, when they get there, they're leaving family, but when they get there, they got family waiting on them. Because there's going to be a local church somewhere and they're going to find some family and they're going to get get locked in. Why? Because it's who they are. If we don't prioritize that now and teach that now, they won't get it later. This is so critical, family. This is so critical that we understand this. We want our kids to know the Lord. We want our kids to to hear his voice and to walk with him so they can experience his blessing in their life. My daughter, my my oldest, asked me a question. She's a challenger in our family. She's a lot like me. So she asked me this question the other day. It was out of nowhere. She goes, Dad, why why do kids have to call their parents Dad and Mom? And I looked at her like, you're looking at me. Because they're supposed to. That's what I said. And then she said, no, why, really? And I'm like, I don't have a good answer for you. I have no clue, but you're going to. (laughs) Serious conversation, right? And then she thought she got me. She said, well, what if we're in a big room and there's all these parents in there and all these kids in there, and I just come in and say, dad, how are you gonna know who's talking to you? And that's when I got her. And I said, because I will recognize your voice." When you say my name, I'm a my head's going to turn. There can be 100 kids in there, 25 of them are calling for their daddy. I'm not turning my head. I hear your voice. My head's turning. I'm going to recognize that voice the moment I hear it. Why? Because relationship, because I love you, because we know one another. I'm, I'm going to respond when I hear your voice. Moms and dads, look at me. Listen to me. What would it look like For us to shape our kids in such a way so that the loudest voice that they hear and the clearest voice that they recognize is not yours and it's not mine, but it's their Heavenly Father. What would it look like? For there to be a conversation like this one day, and this would be my dream. This is the dream conversation with one of my kids. One of my kids call me, Dad, I got this big decision in my life, and I need some wisdom. I know you'll pray about it. And I know you'll give me counsel. I just want the Lord to give me some clarity here. So I'm calling you, would you give me advice? So I give the advice and I tell him, hey, "Okay, here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm praying through. Here's the direction I think you should go. And then for a few days later, for them to call me back and say, hey dad, God gave some clarity here. And so I just wanna tell you, I appreciate the advice the other day and you gave me some very good stuff to think, think through and pray through. But what you told me to do, I'm actually not gonna do. I'm actually gonna go a different direction because as I process that and as I've prayed and as I open scripture, God has shown me, he's spoken to me and he's given this direction to me, and I don't want to disrespect your desires or your advice, but the Lord has given me very clear direction here, and so I'm gonna go and do this rather than that because I heard from him. That's parental success. For the voice of the Lord to bypass the voice of the Father. For the voice of the Lord to be greater than the voice of the mother because they know him and they walk with him and they walk in the blessing of life with him is that what you want for your family here's what we're going to do very special moment i'm going to ask you very reverently just to stand to your feet and kids if students in the room if your parents are in the room i want you to leave and find your parents right now just go ahead and do that if your parents are in the room just find your parents everybody stand to your feet everybody stand to your feet and um i want, I want any student, any kids in the room find your parents if there's Everyone else in the room, I'm gonna ask you to circle up in family units. Right now, go ahead and circle up in family units. If you're here and you say, my family's not with me today, that's okay. You can pray for your family. They say, well, I don't have kids and I'm not married. That's great. Pray for your future spouse. Pray for your future children or pray for maybe some nieces and nephews, some different folks in your life. This is for everybody. What we're gonna do is take a few moments and we're gonna pray Blessing over our family. And I'm gonna challenge men in the room. I want you to lead out in this. For some of you, it's gonna be very uncomfortable, it's gonna be very challenging, and it's okay to be challenged. So I don't know how to pray. Well then do the best you can. Because the best you can is still gonna mean more to your family than somebody else praying in your place. So right now we're gonna circle up. Here's what you get you to do: I want you to begin to pray this passage over their life, pray this passage over your family. I want you to pray this blessing into them right now and just ask, Lord, would this be a reality in our family right now? So, and pray out loud, circle up right now and begin to pray out loud this for your family.